Excellent. Um, once again, I've, I've just asked the recording. Um, anything that you say won't come through, but uh, anything which I say uh, will come through. Um, so I'll repeat whatever you say just to make sure A, that it's understood, um, and also to make sure that the people who, are, who aren't here now and want to listen to the share um, are able to, um, they're able to hear what's going on. Um, so just kind of as a bit of a recap. We, in week one, we introduced the idea that there's, I've said this uh, quite a few times, but there are these concentric circles of responsibility, what our responsibilities are as human beings, as Jews, as B'nai Torah. And we talked about our responsibilities as um, human beings, Lobs, Elder Shomra, um, and what it means to cultivate the world, how to balance universal rules versus rules specific to Jews. Then we moved to talking about last week, um, and then we also talked about balancing work and Torah, which we're going to talk about a little bit now. Um, but not, not, but more from the outside, because before we were saying how work is very important, now we're looking much more about why Torah is important. Um, and then last week, uh, we then kind of moved on from the world of us as human beings to us as Jews, and what it means to be commanded a mitzvah, what it means to be somebody who um, fulfills the rights of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now we're going to start moving into the innermost circle, which is talking about life as a ben Torah, life as... Um, yeah, um, so somebody who's really living out Judaism, living out Yiddishkeit, um, and to its fullest, so to speak. And um, so, and specifically, um, a phrase we're going to see, which is, Make your Torah permanent, and we're going to be discussing the centrality of Torah. So as I just said, in Pirkei Avot, Perak Aleph, Mishnah, Tetbav, Shammai says, You should make your um, Torah um, fixed permanent, whatever that means. And there are several different meanings of what um, something, making something um, keva, it's, like, it's making something permanent. And each one can teach us something new. Um, so we're going to be bringing several different explanations, several different ideas from um, the different Mephoroshim um, um, on this Mishnah um, to give us an idea of what, um, how we should be engaging in Torah. So the first two are going to come from Rashi. So Rashi on this mission says, It's not that you should be fixing, setting aside time for Torah. Rather, your entire day should be um, set for um, or fixed as um, time for learning. And that, that's his first one. Let me explain what this means. The que- and I think I mentioned this a, a few weeks ago. The question is, what is your default? It, do you view it as, I am I'm never learning, I never learn, I don't learn, except for this hour a day, except for, you know, during this time. You know, I've set aside this time for learning, that's my little corner of time for, for learning. The rest of the time, that's, just, that's doing everything else, so to speak. Or do you turn around and say, no, I'm always a person who's learning. I, from the second I wake up to the second I go to sleep, I'm learning. Okay, if something else comes up, then I need to leave. Then I need to go and do something else. Okay, I might need to you know, go and eat. I need to go to Dublin. I need to um, you know, take the kids to school. I need to go to work. There are all these different other things that may come up. And, but however, there's a fundamental baseline, which is that I'm always learning. And then the second something comes on top of it, then that's then okay, you have to do something else. But then as soon as that thing goes away, then you return to a state of learning. Um, so, so, so to some extent, it, it, it's very much you know, kind of what is your default. I think that's, that's the best way of... Um, of understanding it, um, but it's, it, it's not just. It's fundamentally a mindset. It's a person's attitudes. What are your desires? 
Um, what, what do you desire to do? Like, what, what is it that you really actually want to be doing? Oh, if, if only I didn't have this, the, the, these responsibilities in my way, I'd really be, be, be doing something else. And what is that other thing that you would be doing? Um, what, and one way to really see um, and really a, a real test case is what a person do, what do you do in your free time? Um, but it's a fundamental mindset of yearning for sorrow. I, I want to be learning and I want to be um, engaged. I want to be, um, to, 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 to be learning. Um, however, I've just got these other responsibilities coming on top. Now, this is something which isn't um, okay. So, I'm going to pause here for a second. What do you guys, what do you guys think of that idea? Any ideas? Any 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 comments? Okay. Um, now. I was going to ask any practical enough communities any any ideas. Um, I'm sure that there, there there could be some like uh, you know, always make sure that you have a safer with you so that um, to say okay what I'm doing at the moment is I'm then doing Schleimikra. Okay, so you know I have to get on the train quickly, um, but then as soon as I'm not doing anything on the train, then I can carry on with my Schleimikra. Okay, and now I need to go and change trains, but once I've got once I've got you know some a couple of spare minutes, I can open up my safer once again. Um, and again, it, it, you the or it could be you know, you're a, you've got a, a mission with you, um, or, or I mean now that everything's on your apps, you uh, everything's on an app with you know there's Safari and all these other things. Um, there's there, there's tremendous opportunities um, to learn wherever you are. Um, but fundamentally, this is this idea is, is very much more of a mindset than any, than anything else, rather than actually something which is practical. Um, and the problem with this mindset is that it's great to say I want to learn, I want to learn, I want to learn. But you can spend your entire life wanting to learn, but never actually get around to doing it because other things constantly come up. Um, so, and then that's when the second half of this Rashi comes in. Rashi then continues and says, um, you know, the, 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 there's another thing, which is, um, that you should, an alternative explanation of what, um, means is that you should fix for yourself um, fixed amount of time saying this is what I'm going to learn every single day that I'm going to learn four or five prakim of of, um, of, of Mishnah or of Chumash or, or, or whatever else that, um, um, that it is and what this is essentially saying is it's setting a minimum it's saying that no matter what happens during the day I will be doing at least this I'll be doing at least my Shtamik I'll be doing at least my Dafyomi whatever it is that your, your baseline minimum is that that's what it is that you're. Um, um, that that that's what Rashi is saying. Say yourself some somewhat of a minimum. Some of the one thing it's quite funny sometimes at, at Pesach you see people coming back from from yeshiva or sem and they, they they've got these ideas and they you know, they want to do things and it's like okay, it, it's great that you're really passionate and that you're kind of like really in the zone, but you haven't had the debrief yet. You haven't been told. Um, you haven't been given the how to how how to re reintegrate back into. Um, you know how how to live a post yeshiva or sem life, so to speak. And it's like just 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 calm down for hold on for a second. Um, so one of the things which I remember speaking to one um, to one of my rabbim about after um, when when I was about to come uh, come back was he he gave his model. He said, look, and, and there are lots of variants. I personally have more levels than what I'm about to say. He said, but he has three. He says the first is like the your bare minimum. This is like absolute worst case scenario if you're completely swamped and you you're in the middle of exams and everything's complete chaos and you know as a bare bare minimum just learn one mission a day just one mission a day and even if 
you know, unfortunately you're in a situation, you know, it takes a couple, literally a couple of minutes um, to learn the Mishnah. Even if, unfortunately, you go through the next three years, you know, the next three years of my degree and I can't, um, and I only ever learn a Mishnah a day, okay, fine, but at least at the end of it, I've learned a thousand Mishnahs. Like, admittedly, yeah, of course, I, I, I hope to do more than that, but it's still, you know, uh, quite an achievement to, to, of something to have done. Um, I've got, I've, I've been to seams of people who, who've come out of the army, and they said, okay, I'm going to do a couple of um, missionaries a day. And they find, you know, a couple of minutes here, a couple of minutes there. They come out of the, come out of the army and they make a, a seat on Shas missionaries, like, just because they find a little bit of time. So that's like the first thing is like, just have like one mission a day is like, as like the basic minimum, um, worst case scenario. Then there's the um, kind of um, the, 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 the typical day. That might be, okay, so I'm going to be going to, you know, this base Midrash for two hours in the evening. I'll do, you know, this in the morning and perhaps, you know, something on the train in the middle. It's like, Realistically speaking, what's something which what's something um, that's practical? And obviously, you have to look at your course, you have to look at your responsibilities, etc., etc., um, and see what you can find. But hopefully, it's going to be significantly more than um, an hour a day, so to speak. Um, and then there's the ideal day. This is a day when um, you don't have any um, any any work, you don't have any any other responsibilities. You pretty much have a completely free day. And then you say, okay, today is a day I'm going to set aside, and that's going to be a day key key yeshiva. That's a day where I'm going to sit down, I'm going to learn for twelve hours. Um, and that should be like the, you know, the, 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 the top aspirational day. And some days you're going to have a low day. Some days you're going to have a typical day. And some days, if you're lucky, you're going to have like one of those um, idealistic days, one of those ideal days, so to speak. Um, but, and I've kind of got a couple more like in between things. Um, but, um, but for the most part, that's kind of a, um, a practical example of uh, an implementation of this, which is, um, you know, having, having a, a minimum, um, but then also having um, other things on top of that. Um, the second one, the second idea, which is here's my bare minimum of what I'm going to be learning, and um, that's setting the, the the lower limit, so to speak. However, from there, the first idea, which is to have the drive, have the passion, have the motivation, that kind of pushes you up. That kind of um, put, motivates you to to learn more. So once you have your starting point, once you've started doing a bit of learning, then with the right drive, you can then carry on going more. Um, by any chance, are either of you studying? Yeah, I, I know either you said you're not. I, I, any of you? Uh, Ruben, are you studying mathematics at all at A level? So, psh, very good. Um, okay, fine. So there's an idea in in maths um, called um, proof by induction. Um, it's a bit of a, a side point where, where basic, uh, basically, you want to if you want to prove that something is true for all numbers. Let's say, for example, I don't know, every positive number is divisible by one. You know, let's say that, that, that's something you know from zero to infinity. Um, let's say that that's what you want to do. How how do you do it? So what proof by induction says is number one, prove this true for zero, or prove this true for one. Like have your starting point, All right? That's the first step. Then the second step is pick any random arbitrary number. Let's say the number k, and prove that if it's true for k, then it's also true for k plus one. Right? So basically, if it's true for one number, then it's true for the next number. And then because you've got the those two things together, I know that's true for one. That means then I know this true for two. But then it's true for three, then four, then five, then six, then seven, all the way onto infinity. Um, and this kind of idea is that you've got your starting points and then you've also got the thing that kind of pushes you forward and the combination is hopefully then you can um, go on learning go on learning further um, and so so these these ideas of is um, like Rashi's two interpretations one being that it's a mindset and the other one is you have to set yourself a minimum these things aren't con conflicting each other but rather they can actually they complement each other and hopefully they drive a person to be able to maximize and actually learn a bit more any ideas comments okay 
Um, it was it was quite interesting. I, sorry, was somebody going to say something? So thank you. So um, I was actually I was speaking to a friend. It's a <laughs> a fool doesn't learn from his mistakes. A wise person does, but a genius learns from the mistakes of others. Why? So then he gains the benefits of having made of learning the lesson without having to pay the price of having made the mistake himself. Um, it's it's look around you people people around you either have done are or will be making big mistakes um, in all areas of their lives look out for them notice them understand them and make sure that you don't make that same mistake um it's just say that, that that's a very very um a small gem of wisdom there that's something which i um, advise to advise people um, on but um I'll, I'll just give you an example that that's relevant to this um i I was starting yeshiva, uh, starting university, and coming out of yeshiva is like struggling, getting into a routine. You know, between Corona and having problems with chavros, just trying to, um, trying to kind of get into a rhythm of learning. And um, I was speaking to a friend who's um, a year, who's a year older than me, and I, I was saying to him, "How do you, how do you find time to learn? I feel like I, you know, this real struggle. I can't balance it." He said, "This is the problem. You're there, there's two things in yeshiva. You're constantly thinking about." time how many hours a day am i learning um whereas in university it's very much based off of content okay how many you know how i understood this chapter etc etc he says that it's important to set yourself a time however when it comes to your learning goals just try and also um, set goals in terms of content not just in terms of time and i think that these two rashis are indicating the same thing that the um the, the first idea of which is the one of mindset should be um you know time that you kind of you've set yourself and um, you know, this is how many hours a day I'm learning, etc. Whereas the second one, which is, oh, I'm going to learn like four or five program, that's very much a matter of your goals, not in terms of how many, how much time you're spending learning, but rather um, the content of, of what you're actually learning. Um, so those are, those are like the first two ideas of what Osetotechaku um, I mean. Um, okay. Priority in terms of values. Um, so the Rambam um, on this, uh, this now the, the, the view of the Rambam, this is what the Rambam says on this, um, um, on this Mishnah. Um, makes humble Torah primary and all of your other activities secondary. Um, if you can engage, if, if, um, if you can engage in other activities, then, then fine. And if not, um, then no. Um, and this is, um, again, this is, this is commentary there. Make Torah primary and make other activities secondary in terms of what's important to you, in terms of what you value. Kind of like, what do you build your world around? Um, so essentially, build your life around around Torah. It should be, um, but not necessarily in quantitative, like how much, but rather axiologically, rather in terms of the, the 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 quality, in terms of what's at the center of your life, so to speak. What's the foundation? What's the what's the the spine? What's the what's the center um, of your life? Do you do you build everything else around? What's essential and what's peripheral, um, so to speak. Um, people rarely have excess time, like. Um, you know, when when a person has, <laughs> it's an interesting idea. When it comes to money management, it's if you don't tell your money at the beginning of the month where to go, you'll be wondering at the end of the month where it went. And same is true of time. If you don't allocate to the beginning, saying a being of the day, beginning of the week, beginning of the month, this is what I'm going to spend my time doing. Um, then at the end, you're going to wonder where all my times went, where all my time went. Um, again, it's an interesting idea, but I'm just taking money again as a marshal that. When a person takes their budget, they, um, you know, how much they're 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 going to they're going to spend over the course of um, a, a month or a year, etc. 
um, they very rarely have excess money or an excess budget left over. Um, however, sometimes they do have, they, they have a little bit. And so too when it comes to time, that a person will probably, it's like, okay, well, a third of my time immediately is taken up by, um, by sleeping. Um, another sixth is taken up just by day to day things, you know, I have to eat, I have to shower, etc. Um, and then like another third is taken up by, by work. So you don't actually have that much time left. That's actually free time, so to speak. But out of that little free time that you do have, what do you spend that time doing? Do you spend that time watching TV, watching sports? Do you spend that time, um, you know, just just procrastinating and not really doing anything of, of any worth? Or do you spend that time with your family? Or do you spend that time learning? What, what is it that you spend your, your, your spare time doing? Um, and really that kind of shows um, what your inner um, values um, really are. If you fix all of your time and you say, you say okay, I'm going to spend 12 hours a day on, on school or, or working or whatever else it is, and whatever time I have left over, then um, that will be for Tara. Um, that decision itself reflects your priorities because you're saying um, fundamentally, you know, these things are what's really, really important. Um, and whatever's left over, that will be put um, set aside for Torah. Um, I mean, to some extent, actions, actions really do speak louder than words. Um, I need to be a bit careful with how I articulate this because um, I'm thinking of one particular case. I might have to tweak some of the details for the sake of an, um, privacy and anonymity. Um, but I'm not making a generic, a, a generic statement. And the case was somebody in they were in year six deciding what secondary school to go to, deciding between a Jewish school and a non-Jewish school. Um, and the question was, wh which school do, um, which school did, you know, what's he going to go to? Which school, his parents would say, what school do we send our, um, our child to? Um, now, it's a complicated question and every situation is different. Sometimes it's because perhaps they, they're thinking one school's got better discipline. Also, sixth form and year seven are different stories. Sometimes it's just not, you know, one school just isn't the right place for another. Um, there are many, many reasons which are legitimate, and I don't you know, offend anybody by saying, uh, making generic statements mm -hmm. like, oh, you should always go to Jewish school and never go to um, like a, a non-Jewish school or vice versa. I'm not making any of those statements. I'm just bringing up this example because um, of the, the way in which the, the, this case was, in way, the way in which the, the decision was framed and the question was framed is, what's more important, his Yiddishkeit and his Jewish education or his, or his secular education. By the way, religiously, not, not just in terms of the education and you know, his learning, but also what kind of values was he going to be surrounded by, what his social um, situation was going to be like. Really, it was like, you know, what's important, his Yiddishkeit you know, as a whole, or his secular education. And, they, and that, was, that, was the, the way, that was the way they framed the question. They chose secular education, and he... They said, oh, but we'll, you know, an hour, an hour a week or so will give him, you know, some extra lessons. But that then just became his permits for lessons. And after his permits for it was, oh, there's too much going on. And he then eventually they, uh, um, he just kind of stopped lessons, etc. entirely. And what his parents basically turned around and said at the age of 11, 12, 13 was, your secular life is more, is more important than your Yiddish crisis. And <laughs> lo and behold, five six years down the line, he's gone off the derrick. He's no longer Shema Shabbos, he's no longer Shema, Shema Kashrut, etc. Um, the irony is, is that I did better in my A-levels than him, humble brag, um, although not necessarily, he didn't do particularly well. Um, but it's when, when you're, your actions really do speak louder than words, and it 
and the question is is that what values am I um, expressing what values am I articulating um, through my actions so to speak um, so I ask you you guys can you guys give me another example of where what a person does you know I've, I've given two which is what does a person do in their free time do they sit down and you know turn on TV or do they sit down and, and open up a safer um, and additionally you know when the, this additional example um, was when a person was deciding what's more important Yiddish, his Yiddish character or secular education. Um, can you guys think of any other examples in terms of how your actions are a manifestation or an expression of what you of what your values are? So just just very quickly, just to summarize because because Yaakov, um, the reason why Yaakov was punished by having Yosef absent for twenty two years was because he was away for twenty two years. But why is it that all twenty two years he was what he was doing was wrong? Is that because of the way that he he acted in the last two years where where he was gone, um, he wasn't necessarily in a hurry to go back. That's an expression of the fact that he didn't really care too much about. Um, um, in general about about getting back and therefore you can extrapolate that to the whole of the 22 years very nice
Shkach. Um, Avi, an example of um, your actions being an expression of your values. Feel free to pass. Thank you. <laughs> so, what what it is that you that you do outside of school? That's perhaps uh, uh, or what you choose to do in your spare time. That that's um, that's kind of a um, an expression of what's what's important to you. Out of curiosity, do you know how what you're doing now is actually going to, how that's going to impact you in 10 years? It's, uh, is it, it, <laughs> okay, so I, th I think we'll, um, I think, I think perhaps we'll, we'll carry on. Um, it's a good example, thank you guys. Um, Gemara in Bav Basra Duff and Zayn and Bet says something which uh, um, an interesting idea, which is that a tamid, a tamid, somebody who's a Tamil Chacham is exempt from paying taxes. Tamil Chacham, you're part of from taxes. Um, and the Rosh in um, Perikalaf um, Kafav um, says that a Tamil Chacham is somebody who, where, where Torah is his umanoto, Torah is his occupation. Um, this is not referring to a guy who's sitting learning in color, um, whereby that it's not somebody who they, they, they learn all day. That's not what the meaning. That's not what the rosh is talking about. How do I know this? Because the rosh in his um, shut tet vav chet, um, oops, ten minutes left, um, um, quotes the Maharal Rottenberg, who says that even if a person is working most of the day, you know, they've got a full time job, um, you know, so it's not necessarily that they. they so, so it's not just they're sitting learning, um, they're sitting learning all day. Um, however, his natural bent is to learn Torah. That that he is the personification of what we're talking about here. Um, talking about here, he is the person who is constantly learning every free second that he has. That is the person who is a Tamil Chacham. That is the person, therefore, that this is referring. This the the this is referring to. Um, now, that was the um, so that's that's kind of like the idea of the of the Rambam. Um, which is uh, it's, it's a matter of values, like what's what's primary to you and what's kind of um, just secondary. Um, which brings us on to our next point. Person shouldn't make Torah something which is just momentary, something like um, uh, temporary, something which which is um, just kind of like floats by, so to speak. Um, the word keva um, firstly means it's it's essential in value. Um, it, it in terms of what a person really strives for, and um, secondly, it means that he you know practically what you actually do. Um, but also don't make Torah um, transient. Don't make something which is something which is fleeting. Um, the um, um, the Abu Dhabi uh, Dhabi Natan 
um, in Parak Gimel says, um, What does this mean? Um, the person is, you know, in the base midrash, and you hear something nice from you hear some um, some, um something from Tamar Chacham in the base midrash, um he shouldn't make it um something which is like transient, something which is um momentary, rather it should be must become something fixed. Um, and what a person actually learns, um Adam Yaseh he should do, and he should teach it to others. Vyasu um um Shinemar. Now, Shlema, as it says in Pasuk, um, in, it says at the beginning of the fifth paragraph of Dvarim, uh, that you should learn it and then you should actually keep it. Um, and also in Ezra, um, who are, um, you know, where, where it says over there, um, that it says, um, you know, he prepared his heart um, to study, um, um, to study the Torah, um, uh, um, to study the Torah of Hashem and then actually perform it. And then what, this, and then what happened? Um, um, and then he went and he he taught these statutes and these these justices to um, and this justice um, in Israel. We're going to spend quite a bit of time dissecting this and taking this apart. Although most of it will probably take place next week, and um, we'll see how far we get. Now, just a bit of a history lesson. Um, after the first base of Megdash um, was destroyed. Um, People came um, to to Tichezkel and the culture in in, in the time, like going on in, in, in the world in general, was basically that you just belonged to whatever religion the local authorities um, believed in. That if you were in Egypt, you believed in the Egyptian gods. If you were in um, you know Persia, then you believed in the Persian gods. And if you were in Babylon, you believed in, in Babylonian gods. And that was kind of the idea. And the way that they kind of explained this was that the gods of Egypt wore, you know went to battle with the gods of um, Babel, let's say. And then the gods of Babel won, and that's why therefore, and and they basically, basically the Babylonian gods killed the Egyptian gods, and now the only ones left are the Babylonian gods, and therefore that this kind of who we're left with. Uh, I think that, that um, that's kind of what was going on at the time. And they were saying, well, this has really come one of the first times that the whole of Israel, Eretz Israel, and um, on the Shemantim is completely destroyed. We've got no connection, no um, relation now to, to Eretz Israel. Um, the, the, our nationality and our nationhood is, is destroyed. Um, and then they came to Yechezkel and said, okay, now we're part of from all mitzvot, we're part of from Torah, part of from mitzvot. Was their rationale? Um, because a slave whose master has sold him no longer has to, is no longer obligated to do what his master wants him to do. Um, this is in Tanya Debei Rebbe, um, uh, Reb, uh, Debei um, Eliyahu um, Rava, Perek Lamed Aleph. Um, this idea. Of what, you know, this is what they were saying to Yechezkel. You know, uh, we were we belong to Hashem, and Hashem has now sold us to these other gods, to, to this other nation. Therefore, we no longer have an obligation to, um, um, to we no longer have an obligation um, to Takadosh Baruch um, We should be following the local gods, and religion is just a function of geography and society. No Israel, no God Hashem, and, and, and no Torah. So what does Ezra do when he comes along? Um, he, he basically says, Torah is non-negotiable. It's it it is a part of what being um clearly strong means that you can't you can't just say that um it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter where you are it doesn't matter what you're doing um a jew lives a life of avodah hashem anywhere in the world at any point in history no questions asked and that was really something quite 
I mean, we can't take that for granted, but to have it articulated and to be um, really instated in that way was something quite quite new, um, um, so to speak. Um, this is what Ezra did. And this is what each person individually needs to do within um, within his own environment. Um, it's part of his or her res- um, historical and also social responsibility. If you've learned some Torah, Yaseh v'yelamed acher. Observe it, keep it, you know, make sure that you yourself keep it, but also go ahead and teach it to others. If you're, no matter, you know, at any stage in your life, if you're in a community where Torah is in danger of disappearing, it's your responsibility to see that it doesn't disappear. Um, make it kavua. You make Torah permanent, make it something that's there. Make it clear that, there, that the English jury, we're not vanishing, we're not disappearing. Judaism is here to stay. It is your responsibility, it's every, each of our responsibilities, um, to make clear to yourself and to others that Torah and Abodos Hashem are the very backbone of Yiddishkeit. Prove that, um, prove that all the sociological projections about you know, the end of the Jewish people, how oh, we're just going to assimilate and, and, and disappear, um, show, prove that, that those are all nonsense. We are careful. We are permanent. And uh, I think it, it, there's an idea when it comes to Shabbos that um, just as we, you know, if Klai Yisrael keeps Shabbos, then Shabbos keeps us. You know, we're, we're Shomer Shabbos. Shabbos Shomer Otanu. Shabbos keeps us as well. So too. If we make Torah Kavua, then Torah makes us Kavua. Does that make sense? Okay, before I move on, actually, before I move on to the next thing, I'm going to end the meeting and Log back in. As in, it means that we're not going to disappear from the face of the earth. We're not going to assimilate. We're not, because every, where are the Babylonians now? Where are the Romans today? Where are the Greeks? Okay, you, know, you have the country of Greece, but Egypt, the, 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 the Egyptians and the Egyptian culture, etc. Where are they now? Where, where is um, Ammon and Moab? They, where are the Mesopotamians? Where are the Persians? It's all these cultures over time come and go and they get integrated they they assimilate into each other they kind of you know they split and they they they, they get conquered and they, they they disappear over time the jewish na- the jewish people as as a nation we are um we're some, we're one of the oldest um national identities on the planet i think we are the oldest i can't i don't know of any you know which nation um has a has a has a longer um historic claim than we do um and the reason why we are still going and we still have identity and we are still here as Jews is because of Torah. And the reality is, is that when we don't have Torah and just look at the world around us, you know, in, 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 in the US where there's, in the, in the, in the um, progressive movement, you know, the reform movements, et cetera, have an 80% assimilation rate, which means that, that that means that there is a one in 125 chance that if you had 125 great-grandchildren one of them will start identifying as jewish right it's it, it really really terrifying terrifying statistics um but the fact is and people have predicted oh just as you know just as the romans are gone and just as the um you know persians and the mesopotamians and the ancient egyptians are gone you know so too the the, the jews eventually they'll they'll assimilate out and they'll they'll disappear and it's not sustainable and you know there, there aren't going to be jews in 100 years and 200 years it's just going to be another group that 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 disappeared, so to speak. Um, but we're still here. And that's because of Torah. And Torah keeps us as Kalisra on on the planet. Does that make sense? Okay, excellent. I'll see you guys in a second.
שבוע טוב, שבוע טוב. Was that clear what I said? How Torah makes us kavua? That's it. It's it, it. It is definitely something which is quite. Uh, it's definitely something something which you see. Something which is you know Torah is something which is unique to us and um, kind of part of unique to, to the Jewish identity. And as soon as um, communities start. Um, not rejecting, but start neglecting their their commitment to Torah, start neglecting their relationship to Torah, um, then they then very very quickly um, things start going downhill from there. Um, okay, so that was kind of um, kind of uh, another idea. So we've said make it you know make that make Torah your, the default of what you're doing throughout the day. Um, set aside time, uh, you know, or or set yourself a target for what you want to learn every single day. Uh, we said make that your your primary um, value and other things secondary to that. Um, and the next thing is um, that, that, um, that we're now saying is you know, make it permanent and it will make you permanent, so to speak. But I want to just go a bit further in this, Brysa. And again, from the Brysa, what does it say? Um, that if a person hears something from Talmud Chacham in the base of Midrash, um, then you should not make it... Um, uh, let me just find it again. Um, Al yazel to aray ella yazel to keva. You shouldn't make it something which is transient, something which is like you know flittering. You know, um, what's the word? Like temporary. But rather, you should make it something which is um, permanent. So there are three types of things that you might come across in life. There are things that you don't mind forgetting, and these are things that might be important at the time, but long term, like it doesn't matter. Like in ten years' time, you're not going to care about this kind of stuff. Um, this might be you know what you read in the newspaper or you see on the nightly news. This might be like just you know, a particular sports score, okay, fine, you might want to know what the, you know, score in the World Cup final was, but just some, you know, mid-league, you know, mid, um, mid-league game, you know, that, that doesn't necessarily make so much of, um, so much of a difference, you know, exactly whether it was 2-1 or 3-1, etc. Um, what you had for lunch that day, um, this is one of the most important questions I ask myself every day, is what's for lunch? Um, but the, um, but again, in, in, in a few, it's not, it doesn't matter long term. And these are things that if you perhaps you have them in your mind, you might consider that like it's just clustering up your mind. It's like just useless information, things that I don't really, I wouldn't mind forgetting, so to speak. That's kind of the first level. The second level are things that you would like to remember, but you're not going to like go so out of your way as to study. And um, this might be if you're reading like a, you know, reading a, a quite serious book or you're watching you know, a play or, or a certain documentary or whatever else. It's something you wouldn't necessarily consider clustering up your mind, um, but you're not gonna like you know sit and do chazara over etc. But it's something yeah, it might be might be nice to know, um, so to speak. And there, I know that, that there are people who get like um, like these um, magazines, like the uh, like scientific magazines. I um, can't remember what they're called, the the Atlantic or something. Um, and they um, um, so like people like they they keep them because they want to to remember these things. Uh, but again, they're not just gonna like sit and do chazara over. And then the third level, and this is the, the things that you want to become, not just things you want to know, the things that you want to become part of you. Um, just for example, um, I, I'll give you an example. I play the piano, and there are certain pieces that I think I want to play, but not only do I want to play now, but I want to always be able to play. So that if I'm you know, walking through a train station and somebody says, here's a piano, do you know how to play this particular song? I know how to play it, so to speak. Um, you know, or if I'm, which might such high, I was at a, um, I was at a simcha, and somebody says, 
oh Rafi, you know how to play piano. Do you mind, you know, playing for us a quick round of dancing? I was like, okay, um, because because I knew that because uh, because I, I knew I, I knew the music. Um, that's something which I wanted to become part of me, and the way that I will listen to a piece of music that I want to really study and know how to play and understand the exactly how to play every single note. I'm going to approach that very differently to listening to a piece of music that's on in the background as I'm walking through a shop, just you know, just 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 buying some, um, you know, just daily shopping, so to speak. It's a, you're listening to the music at a very different level. Um, there are certain songs that I studied for like grades and exams. Um, which at the time I needed to know and needed to focus on. Um, I don't remember them now and I don't really care because that that's different. Okay, it's not, I'm completely ignoring it like background music and I did have to pay attention to it at the time, but it's not something which I wanted to know permanently. Um, when it comes to Talmud Torah, it's not the, you shouldn't just have this like, oh, in one ear, out the other. Yeah, it was nice at the time, but you know, long term I don't really mind. And unfortunately when it comes to like Divrei Torah, this is especially true. Um, you want to make every piece of Torah that you learn really part of part of you, something which you know permanently. Um, and again, even like a small, cute little Dvar Torah, um, or you know, a small little idea. Try to remember those. Try to to, to grab those. That um, you know, you you hear like a, a a small idea. Try try to really remember them, and that's kind of the approach that a person should should have. And um, if you want something to remain with you, you must immerse yourself um, within it. And if you start saying yeah, it's fine, I can, I can forget that, I don't really need to pay attention to this too much, um, then that becomes a little, um, what's the word? It, um, it, it shows you don't necessarily value it as much. And what, what we're saying now is that, um, what it means, but, um, I said to is make it permanent within you. Make it something which you always remember. Make it part of who you are. Comments? Okay, so um, the question was, um, how how do you remember it, and how do you make how do you act practically speaking how to make that a bit more permanent? So um, I I give a couple of uh, a couple of ideas, and um, there's a Gemara I believe it's at the, towards the beginning of Brachot, like Duff sign roughly I might be I might be well, uh, really wrong, um, which is the level in which you should learn um, a, a shear or understand a shear. It's good enough that you could teach it. That's the that's the level. Okay, what happens if and then the Gemara then goes and discusses, well, what happens if you don't um what happens if you can't understand it? You want if you don't know it well enough to then teach. Um 
um, to teaching and, and, and give it over again. Um, what scar do you get for, 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 for that? And it says, oh, because you ran to the shear and, you know, it goes, and the Gemara then goes on um, with, with, all these kind of, um, with all these kinds of things. It's, if, if the ikra of the gold, you didn't, if the ikra of the mitzvah you weren't necessarily able to fulfill, then what's ha, what are you getting your scar for, so to speak? When it comes to, to learning, okay, well, if you don't know well enough to teach, then, um, oh, well, you know, at least you ran to the shear, so to speak. Um, and, and you're getting scar for that. When it comes to um, learning some, some material, um, one of the best ways to, to understand it is to actually teach it. Even if you don't actually teach it to anybody, write it down as if you were going to, to teach it. I've the safer which I'm basing all these shirim off. Um, I've gone over this before. I went. I, I learned through this like a year or so ago. I understand it now a million times better than I did uh, than I did before. And not only that, but I'm I actually remember it so to speak. So that's, that's the first thing I'd, I'd say. And the second thing, to some extent, is 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 frequent rep, it's frequent repetition. Um, so like either if you've like written notes or if you're or if you have a recording, um, wh whichever works for you, um, is to then plan and say okay every Sunday. I'm going to go over um, this particular thing and, and perhaps have a cycle so that um, you, you, you do revision of the last three weeks worth of content. So then you know, one week you've done that week's content and then the next week you'll, you'll do it again and then again and then again. So it's kind of like a, a rolling thing. So it's like, you know, I'm doing one, two, three, four, two, three, four, five, um, three, four, five, six. You can't kind of think it's like a, a rolling revision. So, and it's the repetitions that, 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 helps, that helps you remember something. And the final thing is that, that I would say is act it out, actually live it, because if if you're you actually like with your body and you actually you're actually doing that, it, it really really um does help. I know that there are certain um halachas that I've come across that um I just, just go way over my head because I never actually do them, especially when it comes to um, I mean at the moment in Dafyomi it's it's all about um um or the lot the last week or so it's been all about um um tum and tahara and everything else. And the reason it's so difficult for us is because it's it, it's not all applicable. It's not all practical. We don't actually do it. Um, however, certain elements of Shabbos, you know, um, things which I was doing um, in, in yeshiva, because I didn't do any cooking in yeshiva, especially not on Shabbos. Again, there wasn't really thing. I, I kept forgetting things. I didn't necessarily remember it. And like somebody had mentioned it. It's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, but now I'm back here and um, I'm a bit more active in the kitchen on Shabbos. I'm, I'm, remember, I'm finding it much easier to remember the, the, these halachas. And somebody once said something to me along the lines of, I don't understand how a person can ever get married having not learnt Hilchas Taras Mishpacha. But the problem is, I don't know how a person can learn Hilchas Taras Mishpacha if, they haven't been, if they're not married, right? Because it, it's trying to remember all of these abstract ideas and all these concepts without having actually implemented them. Um, without actually acting them out, it becomes very, very hard to remember. Um, so those are things which I would say is, number one, um, prepare, learn it once and think about how, even if you're just thinking about how would I explain this to somebody else? Um, or how would I give this as a share? How would I you know, format this, etc.? cetera? Um, the second thing is re repetitions. And then the third thing is to actually live it out. And even if it's just in, in, in a small way, um, but to some extent, um, you know, if you come across an idea, especially if it's a, a hashkafic or an inspirational idea, um, try and make an effort to actually act that out. And by acting it out, you, you'll, you'll then remember it a bit better. I hope that that, uh, that answers your question. It, it's something which I definitely struggle with a lot. Avi, I see. You're welcome. Avi, I see your mics unmuted.
Um, what would I say about Daf Yomi? So I'm personally a big Daf Yomi fan. Um, I've been, I've done it on and off for for for, for quite a bit. Um, in fact, in Yeshiva, I I was giving Daf Yomi for 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 a while as well. Um, and what would I say? If you if you don't necessarily have any, if you haven't necessarily learned Gemara seriously before, um, then and you don't necessarily know what you're what you're doing, and you're having to. You don't necessarily, you can't necessarily understand the Gemara and you're just trying to understand Peshat, etc. Um, then it might be a bit of a challenge. Um, if, if however, you've learned Gemara, you know how to learn Gemara, you know how Gemara works, um, you know the general structure, you understand how 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 things um, work, um, then it becomes a lot easier to remember these things. Um, if you build some Chazara into your schedule, then that's definitely a good idea. Um, I know some people, it's like, Having having Daf Yomi before they've had a coffee is complete bizzlesma, but uh, you know they're 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 in the, and they're trying. Um, what did I say? I once heard a marshal, and the, the the variations are the same marshal, um, which is that um, imagine you, you have um, a lake down here, and the king turns around and says, "Here's here's some buckets. Um, I want you to go down, you know, to the lake, and then run up the hill and deposit it in, you know, in some well or um or some uh, reservoir up here." Right, so they're running down the hill, and they pick up, you know, they they fill out their buckets full of water, and as they're running up the hill to put it in the reservoir, um, the you know there are holes in the buckets, and then um, you know so 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 the water is going all over the floor, and um, by the time they actually get to the top, um, only half or only a third of their you know the water is actually actually still there, or whatever else, and some people give up, and other people continue, um, um, regardless, and the king comes along and says, "What are you doing?" Um, why, why have you stopped? So it's pointless because, you know, most of the water's fallen out. And then there are variations um, on the ending. Some people turn around, some say it's because I, I, didn't, I didn't care about having, the, having the, uh, um, the reservoir full of water. I wanted you to clean the buckets. Or I didn't want you to fill up the reservoir. I wanted you to water the field. Right? So, um, and, and the idea is when it comes to something like, like Dafyomi is that um, even if you don't necessarily remember, you don't necessarily retain everything which you which you remember, and we're going to discuss in a second what you know uh, later in the year what uh, what happens if you do forget the Torah which you've learned. Um, but fundamentally, if if at the time you've perhaps taken on the message and you've incorporated it, um, then then that that changes who you are, and if you're if you're learning right, and it's not just you know in one ear out the other, or you know it's something which is outside of me. But rather something which you let in, something which you open yourself up to, and something which you let change you, even if you can't necessarily have it to hand and you can't necessarily um, articulate it so well yourself, um, even so, it does. No one say clean, but it, it, it does help your neshama grow, so to speak. Um, that being said, I I I do think the dafyomi is very good, but primarily if you've learned Gemara first, I think it. If you can learn, if you can read 10, 10 12 daf of Gemara um, without any notes and you know exactly what every single word is doing, you know, you know what's the difference between Dutznan um, um, and Vahatznan and you know, you know, like you know, you know, all of the key words and you know exactly how everything's working and you can read through um, 10 daf of Gemara or so without needing any punctuation, you know exactly how to translate every single word and functioning what all those words are doing. Um, then you'll find something like that for becomes much, much easier. Um, but different things work well for different people. I, I, I wasn't necessarily, I, I'm not necessarily saying do it or don't do it. Um, as somebody who both um, does Dafyomi and, and enjoys it tremendously, but also somebody who um, 
sees a lot of people not necessarily gaining that much from it and some things can be quite critical of it and i'm not saying one way or the other i'm just saying there are benefits and there are costs and it's important to, to make sure you're you're doing what's what's optimum for you okay um right I know that, that being said, like I, I've quoted like Kamara's from, from Brachos, I'm about to quote a Kamara from Shabbos, and it, sometimes it's like, oh yeah, I remember that. Oh yeah, yeah, I've, uh, I've come across that. So, um, I don't know, like, the, if, you, if you do Shtar you know, do you necessarily understand every, do you remember every single Paso? Okay, maybe Ruben Simcha does, but do you, do you necessarily remember every single Paso? No, not necessarily, but, you know, you do it year after year after year after year, then, you know, eventually you get there, so to speak. Um, I, uh, you know, so hopefully, yeah, with, with Dafyomi, like there are certain, like I've, I've done, we're doing now the first parish called Psachin in Dafyomi, and like I've, I've done it before, we did it in Kaisman of, of, of my Shana Aleph, um, so it's, it, it's a nice Lazara to do. Um, so sometimes, you know, if it, especially if it's something which you've come across before, it's, um, it's, it, it's something, it's, it, it's nice, it's something, it's a good feeling when you come across a Gemara, or you, something, quotes Gemara which, you, which you've seen. So, Gemara Shabbos, Aleph, Lamad Aleph, Lamad Aleph, Rav Omar, so talking about when a person enters um, into after they die after Meir um, um what will they be asked um, when they uh, you know when they're when they're being judged and one of the things which is mentioned which is which are going to be asked which we're going which we're all going to be asked is um, have you actually set aside um, time for learning? And the Rambam really goes, um, takes us a little bit further in Hilchos Tamar Torah, Perakala Palachachet. Ki ish kol ish mi Yisrael, chayv v'tamar Torah, and bein ani bein ashes, everybody is chayv v'tamar Torah, and whether a person is a, um, is rich, whether a person is, is poor, bein she lo begufo, bein, sorry, um, being shalim guf begufa, whether he is physically completely healthy, um, being and bali um, whether or whether he's been um, somebody who's afflicted, um, with I guess some various forms of uh, disabilities and suffering, um, being bachor, being emshayer zaken gadol, whether he's young, whether he's old, um, share um tishash um kocha, um, you know, whether or you know, and whether a person or, and he doesn't necessarily have so much strength, um. Afilu um um min hastak. Even if a person is is um uh, poor and they have to um sustain themselves um, out of out of staka, machazer al um hapatachim and he's sort of begging from 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 door to door. Afilu bal um um ishal uvanim. Um, even a person who has a wife and children, um chayev um kavua um lo. He has an obligation that he has to fix. Um, a certain time to um um the Talmud Torah to to learn Torah beyond Uvalila both in the day and in the night. Shneimavi Gita Boyam Uvalaya. They're seemingly according to, to to the Rambam, it's not just learning which is a chiyuv. You have a seemingly a separate chiyuv, an independent chiyuv, which is to fix um uh, to be kaveh um it's in the Torah. You have to actually um set aside time for Torah. Um, the Torah um Torah should be Torah shouldn't be oh if I have time you know we'll try and um, you know, I'll, I'll try and fit it in somewhere. You know, maybe we'll see how things go. Torah, no, Torah should be something which is a permanent place in, um, in his life. Um, how is Torah going to to, to to fit into a person's um life experience? Um, will it be um like reading a fine novel? Okay, I, you know, perhaps I'll do this in my spare time. Will it be, or will it be part of one's regular schedule? Um, there are people who you know 
you have people who, uh, you know, in business, etc., um, in, in the working world, who are very, very busy and they've got a million things going on, but they're clean shaven and they've showered and they're wearing clean clothes and, you know, they've eaten, okay, they, they've eaten something, then it's not like they go three days with zero calories. Um, they're, they're the bare basics that a person, you find time to do. I, you, don't, you don't necessarily have to say, oh, sorry, uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, I worked myself, I didn't have time to go to the toilet, I was just too busy. No, these basic things you, you find time to do. And if you make Torah something which is, I just have to. I, I just have to. It's like I can't go through my day without it. Um, that's something which a person should aspire to. Um, I personally try to do dafyakni before breakfast, and if I'm, you know, running a bit late one day because I've got like one day I've got like eight o'clock lectures, nine o'clock lectures, um, some days. If it's like okay, I've got my dafyakni in the morning, or I've got um, you know, or I'm gonna have breakfast, then okay, I guess I'm gonna fall behind on having my breakfast. I'm gonna have that a bit later. Um, but I'm saying not necessarily that uh, it's trying to put learning on that level, uh, on the level of these are just the basic necessities of what I have to do um, um, today, so to speak. Um, and I think I'll end this week um, with this. Kuvayat in the Torah suggests um, Kuvayat not only in terms of making time for it, um, but also in terms of what remains with you from your learning, what stays with you, um, what are you trying to accomplish when you're, when you're learning. Um, is it something wh where you're just going through the motions, like you know, going you know for a walk or going for a, for a swim? What is Bryce uh, um, is talking about? Um, uh, what, it, the Bryce was talking about keva in the sense of making it part of you. If you forget, then okay, you forget. You're consider it's considered like onus. You're it's it's an accident. You're it's kind of you're coerced. But ideally, you should try to build up a a a a, yotar, a treasury of Torah, uh, like a storehouse, uh, a, a a vault. Um, um, full of Torah and something which remains with you forever I think I've gone over an hour so I think I'll, I'll stop here um, any any questions, comments? excellent so this, this is like part one and I think um, we'll carry on with part two next week excellent all the best